Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning. Did anybody else wake up and say it was fall this morning? My goodness. 12 degrees. Cold. Well, our screens aren't with us this morning. Glad you are. (laughs) Not sure what's going on, but that's all right. Um, uh, This is, as Jacob already referred to, our time of prayer as we come into it. So make sure you grab a devotional there. There's one for kids. There's one for uh, adults that will be helpful uh, for you and your family as we enter into this season. We just believe that prayer is super important. And uh, so we're going to spend some time doing that. And I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer this morning, but... Uh, before I do, uh, a number of weeks ago, I was visiting a friend in uh, Denver, and they have a house uh, in the mountains around near Denver, up in the Rocky Mountains, at about 9,500 feet, uh, way up in the Rockies. And uh, when I got there, he said, what kind of car are you, do you have? And I said, I think it's a Corolla or something like that. And this is Doug Lassett. He looks over at me and says, bro, that's not going to cut it. You need more than that. I was like, that's what I have. That's what I have. So we were trying to figure out something. I finally, I go to the airport to pick up my uh, vehicle and the lady at the counter says, "Um, would you like an upgrade? I was like, well, yeah, why? She says, would it cost? Yes, it's going to cost you more. I said, no, I don't want an upgrade. Uh, But then she says, what airline did you come in? So she puts it into the system. I think she was just tapping on anything. Uh, and said, oh, you came with that? You get a free upgrade today. <laughs> and I didn't just get any old upgrade. I got a Jeep uh, Commander, I think it was. It's a, a, a big four-wheel drive with lots of clearance and everything like that. And I didn't realize how much I would need that vehicle. Um, not just because I'm from the cusp in the mountains. That's not that level of need. But when we got up to where this mountain house was, it was like a logging road with ditches and in the road, uh, over and up and down and way up uh, in the mountains. And not only that, on the second day that we were there, it, on the, I think about the 5th of May, it snowed about 18 inches in 18 hours. And so it was really important that we had more than what we had. And as we look at right now, we see the headlines of war all over not just in Europe, but also in Africa. We say, Lord, we need more. We saw the dreadful, terrible murderer, I think it was of 11 people in the province of Saskatchewan. God, we need more help. We need you more. We see the crisis of overdose deaths in our region. More than one a day. Sometimes two a day, sometimes more. God, we need you more. We live in a culture that is increasingly hostile to the ways of God and people of faith. God, we need you more. If you have a mortgage and you see rising interest rates, God, we need you more. If you're buying milk today at $6 a gallon, $6 for a pound of butter, God, we need you more. Young adults trying to find purpose. God, we need you 
more. People that are struggling to overcome the grip of addiction, whether to food or to pornography or to power or to work, God, we need you more. Maybe you're living with a spouse that has promised time and time again, but they still are in the grip of the bottle. God, we need you more. Maybe you're an older adult and you're wondering how long will that son or daughter wander from from the reality of knowing Jesus. God, we need you more. Maybe you're a recent immigrant fighting inclined to find your way in a new nation with a new language and a new culture. And you're saying, I don't know how it's gonna work out. I've just scratched and clawed to find my way. God, I need you more. Maybe you're battling anxiety and it overwhelms you at times, but you're here, but you're barely here. God, I need you more. Maybe you have a health issue. Maybe you've been given a death sentence from the doctor. God, I need you more. Maybe you struggle with insecurity and inferiority. God, I need you more. Maybe your marriage is going through stuff that only you know and your spouse know and you put on a good look and you hope nobody will ever notice, but God, I need you more. Maybe your parent that's trying to raise a godly son or a daughter in the midst of a world gone crazy God, I need you more. Sometimes we think, well, I guess if we've done everything else, then we should pray. But as I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, but our hope and our prayer is that prayer would not be a last resort, but would be our first response. In all of the things that I've outlined and many, many more that are represented in the room, God, we need you more. And so when we talk about prayer, oftentimes we talk about prayer and instantly we think, man, I already feel bad. I don't do it enough. I wish I could do it better. All the things. I was talking with someone this last week who said uh, they read this book by Larry Lee. I'm dating myself back in, uh, I think it's in the 90s and it's called Could you not tarry one hour? And they said, at the end of it, I felt so guilty that I stopped praying. Sometimes it's weird how things work, isn't it? But it is our desire to be a people and a church and a house of prayer. Not a church that, of no prayer, not a church that has a bit of prayer, but a church of prayer that at the foundation of what we do and who we are as people and as as a body, that prayer would be incredibly Uh, foundational important. Not a church without prayer, not a church with prayer, but a church of prayer. And so all I'll be asking you today to do is to take a step. Just take a step in prayer. You're not gonna fix everything and be the perfect prayer warrior uh, locked in a mountain somewhere praying 24 hours a day. But if you would take a step, I believe God's gonna do something significant in you and through you and for you. Just take a step. Jesus talked about this, and we'll turn to Matthew 21 and through 12 through 14, and a familiar passage if you've grown up in church. But it says this, upon entering Jerusalem, I just realized something. I took time to make a bunch of slides. Okay. 
One, two, three, let it go. <laughs> Upon entering Jerusalem, Jesus went, go, then you're going to have to open your Bible because it's not on there on a cheat sheet. Matthew 21, 12 to 14, find your phone, open your Bible. Upon entering Jerusalem, Jesus went directly into the temple area and drove away all the merchants who were buying and selling their goods. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the stands of those selling doves. And he said to them, my dwelling place will be known as a house of prayer, but you have made it into a hangout for thieves. Then, somebody say then. A whole bunch more somebody say then. Then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts and Jesus healed them all. And the children circled around him shouting out blessings and praises to the son of David. My house shall be called a house of prayer. What was happening right there? Jesus had just come into the city on a donkey and the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were basically saying, our king has come. And, and he came into the temple and in that moment, there, now the temple was not, it had kind of like an outer court, which was the court of the Gentiles. Then there was an, a more of an inner court, and then there was another court. But this court was on the outer court, kind of like your foyer. This was the only place that the Gentiles or the non-Jews were allowed to go to pray and seek God. This is their spot. This was their ability to do it. And this place of prayer was being made into a marketplace. They were selling animals, goats and sheep. You can think of the smell. You can think of the sound. And not only that, you, they wouldn't let you buy uh, the, the animals to sacrifice except with temple money. And so you had to take the money that you were, your, your regular money, your Canadian coins, and you would go and exchange them first, and they would charge you an exorbitant exchange rate and take advantage of people. And then you would go over and buy, say, uh, a dove. But here you would pay inside that temple court. You wouldn't pay what you would pay the four cents outside. You would pay 75 cents inside. Barrier after barrier, obstacle after obstacle. And Mark's record in the book of Mark says this a little bit more complete out of Isaiah. It is not, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The point was that Isaiah prophesied and Jesus demanded that the place, that the, the house of God be a place for all nations to pray and have access to. The activity of all who bought and sold in that outer court was an obstacle to the house of prayer for any Gentile who wanted to seek God. And then those tables, those would have been tables for doves, little doves. And the people who sacrificed doves were the poorest of the poor. They were the people who, it took everything that they had to come and, have a, and, and, and bring a sacrifice to God. And here they were expecting to pay four cents and instead they had to pay 75 cents. And so again, a barrier was put up the price increase and the corruption, it was all an obstacle to the marginalized finding access to the people and the presence of God. But when I see that Jesus 
said that my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And he made a way for every nation and tribe and tongue. And he made a way for people who feel like they're not seen. He said, I'm going to stand up for the ones who feel like they're insignificant, the ones who feel like they haven't got it all figured out, the ones who feel like if that's you or ever felt like that, that I don't have it all together right now, but Jesus sees me. The ones who are fighting to survive, Jesus says, I'm going to stand and I'm going to turn things over so that there's an access for everybody, every person, every tribe, every man, every woman to find their way to know God. Jesus was not about to just sit back and watch it happen. He inserted himself into our world in that way. We must be very careful to keep the house of prayer joining with God and reaching and making space for the unchurched, for the unreached, for the outsider, those on the margin, that we would be praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, in your home as it is in heaven, in your family as it is in heaven, in your marriage as it is in heaven, that we would believe in God for people that are far from God to find their way to God, that we would be praying that, that people that don't know about Jesus today would come to know him through the, through the house of prayer being what it's called to be, that we'd be a house that would make disciples, that we would stand to transform lives families, marriages, neighborhoods, nations, by the power of God. I still believe in the power of prayer. Jesus flipping over those tables said, was saying, I want all obstacles to a house of prayer being moved, to be moved. And it made me think, what obstacles? We don't, we don't have animals in the foyer or tables selling doves but maybe we have our own obstacles inside that get in the way of being a person of prayer. Common things that I've heard from people through the years is, it's not my gift. Prayer is not my gift. You know, the lady who can pray, at pr if you go to a prayer meeting and she can pray and she's got good words and it all makes sense and all I can do is pray, oh God, help. That's not my gift, you know, Pastor. I've heard this one a lot. I don't know how. If I knew how, I would, but I don't really know how. Or another one, I don't have time, particularly in our Western culture. Or this one, it's up to God anyway. God's going to do what God's going to do, so why bother praying? Well, this one is probably the biggest robber of prayer is I've been disappointed in the past. I prayed for something and it didn't happen the way that I thought it would happen. Or it happened in a way that I never dreamed it would happen. And they become obstacles to prayer. And the enemy will use whatever obstacles he can to keep us from being a house of prayer, a family of prayer, a person of prayer, a people of prayer. But what happens when the obstacles move? Verse 14 said this, then, everybody say then, after the obstacles were removed, then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts and Jesus healed them all. Then the children circled around him shouting out, blessings and praises to the son of David. Then, after he cleaned out the obstacles, then things could begin to happen. Then things could begin to move. He could begin to form a house, a home, a household, a place that's marked by prayer. Amazing things happen. What happens in a house of prayer? 
centered on Jesus. A church of prayer has a heart for people far from God. It never forgets that Jesus is looking for, searching for. His eyes are roaming all over the world. He's drawing men and women to himself. And it, it reminds us a church of prayer doesn't have a list of anybody who's too far gone for God. A church doesn't have a list. A church of prayer doesn't have a list of people who God doesn't love. A church of prayer believes for the return of sons and daughters. A church of prayer believes that we will never lock eyes with anybody who doesn't matter to God. A church of prayer is about the nations, the ethnos, every ethnic group, every tribe, every place, every person finding space and place and a home in the house of God. That's a kind of church that is a church of prayer. Somebody said, and you probably might even have heard it on the radio, something like this, that a, a church of prayer is a bunch of nobodies willing to tell everybody about a somebody that can change everybody. A church of prayer also believes for an ever-increasing healing or supernatural a church of prayer believes that God is a healer. Sometimes God does it progressively. Sometimes God does it miraculously. Sometimes God does it through medicine, however he does. But we believe that God answers prayer and that as we're a house of prayer that we see the supernatural. Does it always happen the way we think it should? No, but we live in a space and a place. We trust God's ways. We trust God's heart. And we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We believe that God is on the move and still moves today supernaturally. A church of prayer believes that the impossible is possible in Jesus. Said the crippled were made well. Some of us have been crippled by things in life that have stopped us from moving forward. But a church of prayer believes that the crippling of the abuse that you experience does not have to determine the rest of your life. That the crippling of anxiety that you may feel today, a church of prayer believes that there's hope and freedom for you. A church of prayer believes that if you're crippled by the shame of an abortion, that Jesus can make you well. If you're listening today and you're struggling to shake off or walk out of the things that cripple you, whether that's disappointment or financial de devastation or it's abandonment or isolation or whatever it might be, know that a church that is a house of prayer believes that Jesus makes the impossible possible. A church of prayer also believes that God has a purpose and a vision for everyone. There is no insignificant one. There is no one that doesn't have a space or something to offer. Everybody has been gifted by God. Everybody has been called by God. And I love how in this moment we see this people who were blind could suddenly see. I wonder what we're blind to right now that God wants to reveal to us. What, what's in front of us that we don't see right now, but God says, would you look out? Would you look beyond where you are? Would you allow me to open your eyes? Would, me, would you allow me to open your ears? Would you allow me to show you and lead you into what's beyond you right now? Purpose and vision for everyone, whether you're insignificant or maybe you're so comfortable financially and in other ways that you have, you're thinking this is all there is. But can I say there's more for you in God? That wherever you're at, whether you're on the top of the mountain or you're in the deepest valley or you're wandering through where you don't know if you're up or you're down, that there's a call on your life, that God has called you, he's designed you for goodness, greatness in God and that through Jesus, that what is impossible could be made possible. A church of prayer believes and is marked by praise. 
Why does that fit? I see these children that saw God move supernaturally, that saw God make a way for the marginalized, that saw God make a way for the impossible situations. How could they help but praise? How could they help but say, look what God has done for me. Look what God has done through me. Look what God has healed. Look how God has delivered. Look how God has set free. When I look back and see what God brought me out of, how can I but praise? See, a church of praise doesn't matter. When it say, let's lift our hands and worship, a church of prayer just says, yep, I'm going to do it because God is, is full of goodness and kindness. He's moving on my behalf. A church that sometimes knows that it's a sacrifice of praise when they're there's more when there's left less in your uh, uh, wallet than there is in the bill pile. That a church of praise know that sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise when you don't know how to move forward, when it's not moving in a way that you thought it would, when you wish that you that things would break out but they haven't yet. But a church of prayer knows that I praise in the middle of the storm. I praise when I understand. I praise when I don't understand. I praise when it's dark out. I praise when it's light out. I praise when it's on. on the valley. I praise when I'm on the mountaintop. Let us be stirred up to remind ourselves in the middle of darkness, in the middle of challenge, in the middle of all the things that are crazy in our world, that Jesus is still alive, that Jesus is still moving, that Jesus is acting on your behalf, that we would lift up our eyes and look unto Jesus and say like these little children, how could I do anything but Hosanna and shout and give praise to God? That's why I don't mind having Camp Sunday with a hundred young people in here making a whole lot of racket. I don't mind it because I know that this house is a house of prayer that believes that the next generation praising God is gonna, just like these young children in this story, is sometimes gonna make a little noise, is sometimes gonna make us uncomfortable, but it's good. Thank you for the five of you that feel that. Just kidding. But what makes a house of prayer? What makes a house of prayer? God, we see the supernatural. We see it's a house for nations. We see the impossible being possible. We see that there's a purpose and a vision. We see it's marked with praise. But what makes that kind of a house? This is not an exhaustive list, but I want, I want us to consider this. Oh, it's back on that side. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little ADD, so some just bear with me. Okay. What makes a house of prayer? It's number one, we choose the activity of prayer over the apathy of no prayer. We choose the activity of prayer over the apathy of prayer. Very rarely when my alarm goes off in the morning, do I want to jump out of bed even if I'm going to pray. If I wait till I feel it, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does. But Ezekiel 22 and 30 says this, this is God speaking. So I sought for a man, a woman, a person among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy, but I found no one. That's talking about in, in ancient times, there'd be a, a wall around a city to protect it from raiders and from wild animals and, and warriors coming and, and stealing them and, and hurting them. And so he said, I would look for someone who will stand in the gap, who will pray, who will intercede. God was looking for a people to stand. And if you look at the verses before that, first of all, he was looking for prophets. 
in verse 25. He was looking for priests in verse 26. He's looking for princes in verse 27. In verse 29, he's looking for people. And finally, he's looking for a person, anyone who was willing to stand in the gap. We choose the activity of prayer. Prayer is, Jack Hayford said this, that prayer is not a mystical experience of a few people. But it's an aggressive act in the face of impossibility that may be performed by anyone who will accept the challenge. Take a step. Take a step. Active times of corporate prayer. Sunday morning before church at 9.30 and before the service in the music room to my left and your right. We're in there. Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. You can join on Zoom. You can join in person. We want to pray together. We have a prayer team that's continually praying over needs. I got two people texted me this morning uh, that they're saying, we need prayer. My aunt has cancer in her mouth. My niece is in the hospital. People, we need prayer. We need more of God. When we gather on Sunday, we pray. When we wake up in the morning, we pray. When we step into that business meeting, we pray. When we drive to work, we pray. God knows you got to pray when you're driving in Surrey. When we are looking for a job, we pray. When we have a health issue, we pray. When we have an issue with, with our anxiety, we pray. When I'm facing something I don't know what to do with, I pray. When I'm in great victory, I pray. Whatever space or place, we choose an activity of prayer over the apathy of no prayer. Take a step. Just take a step. Secondly, we choose to persist in prayer until we prevail over hell. We choose to persist in prayer until we prevail over hell. Jesus said this about us, and he said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Gates, the function of gates gates is to keep you in, to confine you, to shut you up, and to control you. The church of prayer refuses to be kept in, confined, shut up, or controlled by darkness. The church of prayer refuses to come under the counsel of the darkness, the plots and the ploys of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. That what is spawned in the darkness of hell will not see the light of day by the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church. Enough already of of the ploys of Satan having your way in, in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in the church, in the church of Jesus, in Canada, that we would put the hell on the run through prayer, that we would put hell on the back foot, that the gates of hell would not prevail. And, and, and they used to say to us when, when in the nineties, when I was in Bible college, they would talk about, has anybody been beaten up by, by a gate? No. See, the gate is a defensive thing. Hell is on the defense against the church. The church is moving forward. The church is pressing in. The church is going after people who are caught by hell. The church is going after to break every darkness that is over the minds in the, of, of people right now. This is how it's said in other versions that the prayer and for, forces of, or the power and force of death shall not overpower the church. The locks of hell shall not shut it out. The power of the underworld shall never overthrow it. The gates of hell shall not hold out against you. The power and the government of hell will never be able to resist you. We choose to persist in prayer until we prevail over hell. 
And sometimes it's just a battle that you need a persistent. Someone said we need to keep push. We need to push. Pray until something happens. Keep praying in and believing that God is going to move. We choose God's authority over our inferiority. Because sometimes we approach prayer and we have, well, I did that wrong. I wasn't godly enough over here. This happened in my past. All these things, and I'm, we're just, we come crawling in and, and we pray, oh, God, if you could, please mind, would you please? Uh, hopefully you could, but you know me, I'm, I'm just a wee little worm. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 16 and 19. He says to his church, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Keys represent authority to go in. Access. If someone has keys to your house or the code to your door lock, you've given them access to your house, to your realm. And what Jesus is saying, he says, church, people of God, I've given you access into realms to win to take authority over, to step into, to give the right to function with. Their keys are given to stop hell's worst, to unlock prison doors, to shatter chains of Satan in any space that you're in. Jesus is the one who said to pray and declare, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is a key, is key to releasing what's in heaven on earth. On earth, as it is in heaven. What seems to be locked up for you that needs to be open? Could be a job. It could be justice. It could be all kinds of things. What needs to be locked up? Where, what's having its way in your life that shouldn't be having its way in your life? Anxiety running amok? Anger, frustration running amok? Jesus has given us the key, the authority, not our inferiority, not what we have, but what he has. And he puts a key of authority. So when we stand and pray, we say, God, I thank you. I thank you that you've called my family to walk with you. So Lord Jesus, I'm standing and I'm praying over my sons and my daughters right now that they will walk with you all the days of their life. And I declare that by the goodness of God that they will serve Jesus and love his house. And I pray and stand and declare that they will love their family and that they will love one another. You stand and you declare that what's on in heaven, because that's all things that God wants to see. So I'm praying and saying, God, I'm, I'm partnering with you and say, I'm declaring what you have already talked about. I'm bringing it and speaking it forward in the world right now. And what, and what I just said over our children is what we prayed over our kids nearly every day. God, that they would grow to love you. Jesus, thank you that they will love your house. Thank you that they will love one another and they will love us. Keys, we choose God's authority over our inferiority. And finally, we choose responsibility for the world over retreat from the world. The big bad world needs a good Jesus. The political world needs Jesus. The medical world needs Jesus. Arts and entertainment need Jesus. The construction world needs Jesus. In every space and place you've been, wherever you live, work, neighborhood you live in, you are placed there by God. 
You have a responsibility if you're a follower of Jesus to be a light, to bring hope, to bring the peace of God, to bring the presence of God. You're brought in, dropped in, light overcoming darkness wherever you're at. Verse that we started with, Ezekiel 22 and 30. So I sought for someone who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it but I found no one. A hedge means to keep the enemies out of the vineyard, the flock, the city, or the house. Oh, that we would be a people that instead of just pointing our fingers at what's wrong in the world, that we would be ones who begin to put our hands together maybe and and ask heaven to come, ask God to move, ask God to, to reconcile, ask God to heal, ask God to deliver, ask God to move in the hearts of our, our, those that rule over us. Ask God for a move. We need more of a move of God. We need a move of the spirit of God, that we would see God through your eyes and take responsibility, not just be critiquers, but Lord, that we would be responsible ones who would say, God, would we would stand in the gap. We choose responsibility for the world, not just retreating from the world. Eh, I don't want anything to do with, but as Jesus said, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That we would be ones that say, God, would you use me? Taking a step. Maybe the step, first step in terms of this is just getting to know the neighbor on the left and on the right of you. So you know their name. And start loving on them and see what God would do. Maybe the first step for some of you is to open your Bible in the morning and begin to pray. Maybe for some of you, the first step is just to start your day off with, I welcome you, Holy Spirit, lead me today. Maybe for some of you, the first step is to every day be praying for that person on your list until, they, until you see them turn to Jesus. I don't know, but I know that we need more of God. We need more of God in our lives. We need more of God in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our schools, in our nation. All kinds of devastation. And God's answer was to send Jesus who then sent his people. We're the answer that God has sent for the world. We choose responsibility for the world over retreat from the world. Church of prayer that's closing gaps around lives. Church of prayer closing gaps around churches so the move of the Holy Spirit happens. A church that closes gaps around leaders and nations and cities. Church of prayer closing gaps to see an increase in God's power more. Worship team, wherever you are, if you can come. But just think about it. Imagine what would happen if I took a step and choose the activity of prayer over the apathy of no prayer. Think about what might happen in, that's not even on your mind right now if you persisted in prayer until you, we prevail over hell. What might life look like if we embraced our authority in God instead of the inferiority that we believed. Imagine if we took responsibility for our world instead of retreating from our world. I invite you to stand. And just ask this simple prayer. 
word accomplishes the purpose it's sent out to do. Jesus personalizes it through the Holy Spirit to each of us. I just ask a simple question maybe to ask the Holy Spirit. Is there an obstacle to prayer that needs to be flipped in my life? Maybe my obstacle is it's not my gift. I don't know how, I don't have time. It's up to God anyway. I've been disappointed. And invite Jesus to flip that obstacle over. To flip the table. Just take a moment. Bow your head to give privacy to the people around you. Because we need more. every head bowed and every eye closes. Anybody feel like Jesus identified an obstacle? Just raise your hand real quick. Yeah. Same God. We need more of you. So I don't know what step you're going to take this week, whether it's a devotional book, want to sign up at hello at horizonchurch.ca to get it by email. Maybe you want to fast a meal. I don't know. Maybe you'll show up at prayer on Tuesday at 7. Bring your kids or Friday in Princeton. Maybe you're going to set an alarm for noon every day and spend the first 10 minutes of your lunch just praying. I don't know. But I want to encourage you to take a step. Take a step that more and more we could be a house of prayer for all nations, for people to be healed, for the impossible to be possible, for praise to ring up as sons and daughters return to Jesus, find their way home. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.